0: Locked Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
2: <laughs>
1: We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now oh, look at my front butt. <laughs>
0: Open the circuit to the wave motion gun. Open the circuit. We shall pressure increases.
3: Unfold. All the ship's energy is now in the wave motion gun. I doubt anyone here would recognize civic virtue if it reached up and bit you in the ass.
1: Oh, did I hurt your feelings.
3: The Magneto's right. There's a war coming. You sure you're on the right side?
0: Yeah, you're late. Of George. So. What do you think? <laughs>
3: Good. I have to be fashionably a little bit late. You weren't that yeah. late. Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I want to be a little fashionably late, but I'm German, so it's, it's kind of hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Well, here we are again, children. Show, but it's nice that you're actually being able to get the fall show out.
1: Barely, but it's happening.
0: <laughs>
1: are we talking about
3: this week's box office?
0: <laughs> well, I
3: thought was, I this week, I time, think it's uh, still zero the point
0: Zero point <coughs> zero. What? What? <coughs> Pack collector's number one at the box office. Nothing... This has been the summer of drive-in and B-movies being number one at the box office again.
1: <laughs> right. Well, America needs a change. So, good for America. So, how you been?
0: It's has not been a good year, I all I gotta say at least. Steven... Yeah.
1: Can you hear me, Stephen? Yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> All right, guys. So, who's talking first? This is dead air. This is no good. Yeah, well... Is there anybody
3: listening out in the audience? Only are we the only most?
1: three tonight? <laughs> yeah.
3: I had a family well, Zoom meeting that had more people was in it.
1: up, what? but...
0: That's a
1: surprise for the audience. Somebody else is coming later.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Cool. Very good. <coughs> so, uh, <coughs> anyway, guys, uh, how are you doing? How is everybody out there tonight? Hello, keep, Steve. Uh, Thank you for having us back. Yeah. I appreciate it.
3: It's just the this is the pre-Monsterrama show. This is the actual right. pre-Monsterrama show.
1: Yes. Very we tried to early give people enough of a
3: heads up But they only got about a half an hour So I hope some of the regulars You know tune in tonight <coughs> If they're not so, watching Laverne and Shirley well, on the TV
1: so, I, I was watching Laverne skip. and Shirley I know yeah. you were
0: I wanted to get as much in Before I have to go in with all the Crap I got to deal with next month
1: it, Hector Wrote Laverne and Shirley's name on the Bathroom at Shots Brewery today It was not very nice yeah. Oh no Yes In between my time in the pool I was out in the pool And then it stormed And I came in and watched Vernon Shirley yeah. <laughs> And I'm coughing really bad today guys I'm sorry I have uh, some allergy issues From uh, all the wind and dust That got kicked up by the storm It lasted for 15-20 minutes But I'm doing pretty good So let's talk about it George what, what are we doing Friday night What's happening at the drive-in on Friday night well, Friday
3: night, we have the return of the Blood Island movies. Um, we have been waiting years to show these Blood Island movies. Um, I've been wanting to show them since the beginning. A few people have asked me about them. Uh, you know, you guys know what these are. These are the, the films made by Eddie Romero in the Philippines with monsters, uh, you know, Dr. Lorca actually the first the first one is by it on its own, and then the second two are about the Doctor Lorca character and the and the uh the blood monster that he creates but this this trilogy's a favorite they were these are the films that were these three films were actually made before the drive there's no doubt Beautiful. about it and um oh yeah like I said, we've been wanting to show' them for years they're finally available remastered I'm licensing them directly from the uh from the uh, gentleman who's running the show, as far as uh, his name is uh, David Searing, he, write, he runs Drive Insanity Films. He's he's doing theatrical bookings for these films and all of the Al Simpson movies, and he's been trying to get. Uh, actually, he he has been uh, getting Zandor Varkov to make public appearances, but it's you know like I, and I was considering it for this year, but it's just. Uh, you know, I figure with the COVID-19 stuff and the social distancing, thing, I'd rather wait it out, maybe, you know, hopefully down the line. Maybe we could get him down and... Because and,
0: so they're, be they're, they're getting him to
3: make public. Yeah, because he lives in Virginia now, and he's he's really gung-ho about making these these public appearances. Wow. Unfortunately, he comes in the midst of all this stuff. You know, he hasn't been to any convention. Sure. So it would be a great guest just for that, because, you know, he's one of the classic at least for our, our for
1: us he's one of the classic Dracula's. Uh and uh he is We've showed we've shown that movie actually a while ago. We showed Doc Dracula versus Frankenstein. And, and Frank. Now
3: if but if we got him down I wouldn't I wouldn't I'd be up to showing it again and uh brain of blood. But we'll you know, we will worry about that at a later time. Like I was saying, this I'm getting the Ballaron films from the same um theatrical booker that's that's doing all all of those and uh, they they also have available the uh, the Filipino vampire movies uh, which which wouldn't be a bad Off. choice down the line
2: you know nope.
3: all, and all the Al films but uh, you know the Al Anson films is uh, definitely an acquired taste as we know
1: but I think a few I, I of them would work yeah a few of them you know, would I think, work. I I mean, think you know, there's a few that we could definitely show you know well um, well,
3: we'll talk about it because they're available and uh, you know I, I I would love to bring I would love to bring those because like I said those are these are the films made for the driving, these Blood Absolutely. Island films. I've been wanting to show for years. I I had come across a few prints of uh, of Mad Doctor Blood Island and um I had a, a print of the last one, Beast of Blood, under its British title, uh, which was uh, Blood Devils. And and the, the problem was the prints were just like really beat to hell and they were, I mean, colorless, scratched up, and like just missing whole chunks. Of footage and it's like and you know, I, I I mean I, I'm I you know I can't I can't show that I, I you know so now they're all remastered and uncut and restored and
1: beautiful and sure
3: it's just going to be great you know and I love that whole island theme that's kind of what's going to be happening. terror
0: is a man become part? They start they started booking terror is a man as part of the Blood Island series
1: <laughs> because it is part of Blood Island. It was the first one.
3: It's considered the first one, and um, I, I, I remember I, I was talking to um, to, the, to the Severin people because they're, they're involved with this uh, David Gregory who runs Severin, and they were trying to decide what they should put when they did the one on set, which I think has since sold out. When they put out the yeah, the, it was, the yeah, it's of, gone. yeah, when they put them on Blu-ray, they were trying to figure out what would be the fourth one, and some people said, "Oh, it should be Brain of Blood," and others said, "Terror is a Man" because. It's really like the precursor to the Blood Island films, and I think they made the right choice because *Brain of Blood* does have that Blood Island feel, but it's not made in the Philippines. It's
1: not—it's—it's
3: uh, it's nothing like those films. It, it has that feeling, even though it was an Al Adamson film shot in California.
1: Well, *Terror as a Man* also—*Terror
3: as yeah, a Man* also has a man,
1: much more respectable. Is the
3: precursor. But we're showing it last because uh, I don't—I don't know if it's an asshole slot. Movie, I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, actually, Blood Island are all good, but I can understand why you're showing it. Get the free, get the the Doctor. Every, every time, every time you talk, then, uh, Steve, I'm
3: losing, I'm losing the volume. I'm not. I know what's happening. I'm what?
1: Can you hear us? Hey, can you guys hear me? I'm not hearing anything. Yeah. Yeah, we hear you fine. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yep, you're here. Should yeah. I text him and tell him? But, hold on, let me see. Yeah. Keep keep talking, hey, I'm I, gonna text you and then okay. yeah, Can you hear me? Yeah. I
0: think you're booking it right because you get the the three uh Dr, Lor- the doc- Dr. Lorca the Doctor trilogy out of the way and then the fourth official one which is as a man.
1: Right, hold on. Can you hear I'm trying me? Trying to get to... Yes.
3: Okay, I got text. I put you on speaker. I'm hearing you on speaker, but for some reason, the other way I didn't see it. Now,
1: well, I'm sorry. Well, I texted you saying... and told you.
3: <laughs> what happened?
1: I texted you and told you. <laughs> I to can hear you. Put...
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for all that. I really wasn't hearing anything. All right.
1: Great. But what uh, I said is,
0: uh, what's your book? The way you booked it makes sense because you're getting the Doctor Lorca trilogy out of the way, which is most people know the blood, as the Blood Island films, and uh, then Terror and the Terror is a Man is the follow up.
3: But Terror as the Man was made early, you know.
0: Yeah, I know. Right.
3: But but I think it, I think it was blessed because it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's it's not as uh, it's it does not taste as well as the other ones although it's, it's a well it's more movie. of a
1: classic it's more of a classic exactly. film it's not as it's not as drive-in sort of out of control exploitive as the other ones are that's the thing
3: no it's more subdued it's like um, it's kind of like a like a classic take on the oh, um, fashioned oh, horror
1: film right yes. yeah very much big no.
3: and just the presence of Francis Lederer kind of
1: you know adds to yeah. that agreed agreed yeah. Absolutely. Totally. So, that's what we're doing on Friday night, and on Saturday night, George, we are doing what? Okay. So,
3: so driving Super Monsterama never had any um, Toho films. Nope. Yet. So we finally got a couple because uh, we got them from Universal. And um, so we're going to start off with King Kong vs. Godzilla, which is um, in anticipation. You know, I always I always try to market this to people who maybe aren't like uh, as big as as big as fans as we are. You know, maybe maybe they see you know they know that there's a King Kong vs. Godzilla set to come out in the future, and um, when it does, it'll probably be a blockbuster. So you know, here we are. We're able to show this, and then that's why I'm starting off Saturday night with this because I think it's uh, it's a big uh, it's a big attraction, and it's a childhood favorite for a lot of us, isn't it? I mean, it's a, yeah.
1: we had planned to do this one for quite a while. It wasn't this didn't just come up. We talked about the combination of that and King Kong Escapes almost what two years ago. We had talked about yeah. it, so this wasn't something that we just suddenly. Came up with, but we also wanted to make sure that it was screened before, he, as he said, the new movie comes out next year, so it's perfect timing. Good yeah, timing. I think I think
0: bill is good. My memory is that TBS uh, showed it when I was a kid, except they had two wrestling managers talk. Between each segment, and one of them was uh, each represented King Kong and Godzilla, and they were cutting promos and stuff throughout the movie.
1: <laughs> what channel was that on?
0: Uh, WTBS.
1: Oh, they did that on there. Yeah, that's the first place you saw Saint that movie.
3: Well, 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 in New York, and I'll I'll go over some history with that. I mean, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a '70s kid so in new york and i don't remember it because i'm probably too young to remember it it used to be on in channel nine in new york It used to be on wor's um million dollar movie and somebody like that was a bit you know maybe 10 years older than me saw it probably in the 60s and they would run the movie every night of the week in prime time that's how they ran the uh, the movies
1: right right
3: they would show them every night. It was like, I'm like, and I'm not hearing this stuff. I'm like, why? Are you kidding me? It's like, no, that's the way they used to do it. I'm like, so, but when I saw it, um, they used to show it a lot um, on Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. It was, a, it was a big thing in New York for the, then Channel 9 just started showing the original King Kong movies, being King Kong, Son of Kong, Mighty Joe Young. But at, at at certain times, they would show, in the 70s, they would show King Kong vs. Godzilla. And being a kid on, on, like, you know, you're off Thanksgiving for, like, a big weekend and Christmas has come. Right. It was, like, a big right. deal to see something like that. You were, like, in yep. heaven, you know. And then, after a while, Channel 9 would show the Godzilla movies the Friday after um, Thanksgiving.
1: Christmas. So, you'd have... Oh, after Christmas. Yeah, on yeah, Friday. No, well,
3: no, Thanksgiving would be the original RKO, <laughs> King Kong, and Mighty Joe Young, and Sonic Kong. And then, on Friday, after well, Thanksgiving, then they showed. show... Godzilla movies, and then King Kong vs. Godzilla would usually be one of them.
1: I've seen the ads on the internet for that, for those features, actually. Yeah, and
3: that was a big, big deal here. That was a big deal.
1: I didn't get that channel, but I know some people outside of Pittsburgh did, so they were able to watch it, too.
3: Oh, Channel Line is like my, you know, my...
1: That's my sure. Yeah, Yeah.
3: and then all the European stuff that they would show...
0: King Kong versus Escape, even though it has one of the worst suits, monkey suits in
3: the history of monkey suits. Well, here's but the what, which, guys, which which do you think it looks better, the the the, the 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 Kong and King Kong versus Godzilla, or the Kong and King Kong escapes? Which one do you think looks I worse think or King better? I think
1: King Kong escape looks much better.
3: Even the face.
1: I think so. I don't know. Yeah, you. I think Steve's so,
0: different. King Kong escapes.
1: <clears throat> but see, here's the whole thing you're missing, Steve, about King Kong escapes. You have to put all that aside, and you have to understand how this whole thing developed. It was it was co-produced with Rankin and Bass. They built this yeah. beautiful model of this mechanic Kong, which is so incredibly cool. the 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 characters The villain's name is Doctor Who.
3: And who does the refor- voice of
1: him? Who does his voice? <laughs> I don't remember. Who is it?
3: Of Paul Frees.
1: Oh yes. And he even looks like William Hartnell, who was the first Doctor. If you compare them side he by does. side, I don't know if it was. I don't know if that was like an intended thing. You know, or Does, or not, but it was doesn't very. Doesn't he wear was, like
3: a similar hat, like a similar like? Yeah, snow so he hat wore or a similar hat and a yeah.
1: cape that that, <laughs> yeah. that, that William Hartnell wore. So it was kind of weird, but but you know, it, and and it, it's just the whole thing is like you know you have the it's it's just this crazy 1970s or actually the 60s 1960s, uh, you know, Japanese science fiction movie with with you know giant monsters and a mechanical. King Kong and King Kong, a hovercraft, a crazy island, go-go music. As a kid, it was unbelievably appealing to me. I thought it was, I thought it was spectacular.
3: No, absolutely. Huh? And I thought at a very young age, again, this is Channel 9 in New York, they ran the hell out of King Kong Escapes, too. They had that movie. And I remember, I'll tell you, one, I'll tell you a couple of stories, i seen that on TV really quickly. One of them, I remember, I'll never forget, 1976, my birthday... It was on a Saturday and it was on in the afternoon. So that was like a big, that was like a birthday <laughs> gift to me. And I was going to have a party like later in the day. And I remember like one friend was over early and we were watching it uh, on Channel 9 yesterday. And it was like such a big thrill, like that this was the movie on my birthday. And,
1: yeah. You know, and I'm like, what? Yeah.
3: Like, I'm turning eight years old. And then I remember one night on a Saturday, and I was never like a big sports fan growing up. You know, I'd watch, I liked baseball and stuff, but like I remember Channel 9 used to have the, the New York, um, I think it was the New York Islanders or the Rangers, and they would they would run like the hockey and the hockey games. Of course, would run into so King Kong escapes was scheduled to come on at whatever time, nine ten o'clock at night, and I'm like waiting for this damn hockey game that's going, you know, going on forever for King Kong escapes to come on. And it, it actually came on, and they didn't they didn't you know they didn't you know preempt it or anything. They showed the whole movie in its entirety, and so I have like that, I have like an attachment, a childhood attachment to that movie. You know, because of those kind of stories.
1: Well, that's yeah, amazing. The
3: I, I think
0: story about King Kong win versus Godzilla when we. I don't think it was until the nineties that the whole myth was debunked that they had two endings to King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, the that's US a good point. The one had King Kong win, which he didn't. <laughs> and, the God- right. and the Japanese one had the ending where Godzilla wins.
3: Now wasn't wasn't that like a for Yakaman. Uh,
1: Correct. And so famous it was originally monsters, mentioned, originally mentioned yeah. in Famous Monsters magazine. Yeah. But you know the Godzilla suit is awful in that film too. The, the the Japanese actors are wearing blackface. I mean it. The movie is just a clusterfuck of a of a Toho film. Um, it's a fun afternoon movie, but if you're comparing it to any of the other Godzilla films, you're wasting your time because it's just not on mark with the other Godzilla films. You know, there's, there's, it's just goofy. It's a goofy movie. You know, it's almost it's almost like a parody of Godzilla movie, a parody Godzilla movie where it's like, okay, he's going to fight King Kong, but we're not going to take it serious. We're going to make it kind of funny and silly. Doesn't Godzilla shoot Kong in the crotch with his breath at one point or in his butt or something stupid?
3: Yeah, it looks like <laughs> his stomach or something, yeah. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the rock. Oh, when he's swinging right, the rock right. with his tail, yeah.
1: right. Well, so.
3: it's the first of the it's the first of the Godzilla movies where they where they they, they do get tend to get silly.
1: Yeah, a little you know, bit more, more of an good. afternoon, a children's feature than anything else, right? But often overlooked for years. I mean, it was not a movie that I remember running in in syndication quite often. I think I didn't see that film until it was on on a Saturday on a Sunday morning. And George, I think it was with that same set of American International uh, films. I think it was distributed with, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this. Who distributed the Gamma films? That wasn't American International, was it? Did they pick those up? Or uh, no, no, AIP a- a-
3: I- TV. AIP TV had the bulk of the okay, Gamera movies. Okay, yeah. because I,
1: I remember, I think Godzilla was on. They were running, it's very odd, but for a short period here in Pittsburgh, they were running a 10 o'clock Sunday morning, uh, monster movie and the gamma films were on there. I remember seeing Invasion of Star Creatures. I remember seeing I think King Kong versus Godzilla was on that mm-hmm. and so was Johnny Soko and the Flying Robot the feature film.
3: Yeah, it was <laughs> like in space. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. Origin to Space, right. And um, at any rate, uh, you know, it wasn't a movie that really showed up. I remember Rodan And Ghidra, and maybe Godzilla vs. Mothra was the one that was very prominent. I used to see that one quite a bit. Godzilla, King of Monsters. I never saw Gigantis, the Fire Monster uh, that often growing up. I mean, they were just... It seemed like in this particular area, we were only getting the same Godzilla films over and over again. We weren't getting anything. Yeah, the
0: AIP uh, Toho package.
1: Right, and we were getting Mantango you know uh atragon um I'm trying to think what else um I don't remember De- the mysterious the space
3: mon- yeah a i p distributed a lot of the Tohos to t v you like you said right. uh, yeah, atragon dagora, well, they released some of those theatrically too, like atragon right, was an a i p right. right but but some of them went was sold straight to t v like attack of the mushroom people, the like dagora <laughs> like um
0: did the TV print of uh, Moffra I like the have star AIP title,
1: which was Godzilla vs. The Thing? I saw it as Godzilla vs. The Thing when it was out originally.
3: Well, that was yeah. the, uh, the theatrical title, too.
1: Right, and it didn't make any sense to me why it was, as a kid, it was another one of those weird things where, even as a kid, I thought it was absolutely idiotic that, the American version, you know, that the, the the twins, the twin fairies referred to it as The Thing. And you knew that it was Mothra. And even as a kid, I thought, this is just fucking stupid, you know. Bring the movie over here. Because, you know, we were reading about these movies in Famous Monsters magazine. So it was the only reference point that we had. It was just ridiculous to change the name to The Thing. And, you know, you've seen the movie The Thing growing up, and then you're like, okay, there are two things <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> and, well, don't forget, uh, Godzilla Raids Again was uh, shown over here as Gigantus, the Fire Monster.
1: Right. That's what I said. We never that never aired here. I I never saw no, it. No,
3: you know that's another one. I never saw. I remember seeing it on Channel Eleven, like but later, like I'm I'm thinking like the '80s. And um, yeah, I don't know why that was later. not on TV a lot. Yeah, that was one of the that did. It, showed, it showed
1: up a lot later. It showed up a lot later. Later, it, it, it did. It, yeah. It's not a good movie either. They're poorly It was like I the <laughs> Lost
3: Godzilla. That was like the Lost Godzilla movie, as far as in as far as me growing up. In New York On TV, sure. Were, all the other ones were on TV. All of them.
1: All of them. Right, but not that one.
3: Up to the, you know, Terror of Godzilla, which which played like shortly after it was in the theaters. It was already on TV on Channel right, Seven right. on the 4:30 movie. I
1: saw I saw, mean, it was, it, I saw uh, a number of those movies in the actual theater here. In America, I saw Smog Monster in a the theater. I saw, um, what else did I see? Uh, Megalon? Actually, I believe I saw that one at a drive in. And I saw, I think, Mechagodzilla. Godzilla. I, I did not see Monster Island, though. I don't know if that did that play here, George? Did Godzilla or uh, Monster Island play here, the guy here in film?
3: Yes, under the title Godzilla on Monster Island.
1: Yeah, I never saw that in the theater here. Yeah, I saw it on TV. I, thought, I think that the got,
3: I think that was that that release was for some reason uh, not as wide as some of the other ones.
1: Right. And
0: Megalon, yeah, Megalon. had a wide release because King Kong uh, was uh, out. the Dino De title.
1: Yeah, the poster was terrible for Godzilla versus Megalon. It had nothing to do with it. It had Godzilla and Megalon on top of the World Trade Centers, which was absolutely an <laughs> <a> embarrassment.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's no, but I, I didn't oh, see it, but guy. I do remember it playing.
1: They're yeah. standing there going, Oh God! Don't let me fall! Don't let me fall! <laughs> it was terrible. It was a terrible. And I remember and seeing.
3: I remember watching uh, the, that primetime special. With uh, John Belushi hosting in the Godzilla suit, where they practically showed the whole movie on, on NBC. I remember forgot watching that. that. I I remember watching that with my father in the living room when it was on.
1: I forgot about that completely. Yeah, and I think yep. it was
3: like the movie was still in the theaters, and they I'm like, why are they showing the whole movie on TV?
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. I remember well, It was remember like an hour now. version of about. it, or yeah. Yep, I for totally forgot about that. That was one of the wow. most bizarre
3: things. And at the time I was a kid, I had no idea it was John Belushi in that costume. I found that I found that out much later. I wonder
1: why they decided to do something so strange like that and involve John Belushi. I mean, that's very.
3: I don't know, but he did odd. wear it on the. He did wear it on *Saturday Night Live* when he was being interviewed by um, Gilda Radner playing Baba Wawa,
0: and it was right. saying too. Yeah.
3: So they did. That was, there was part of promoting. Right. They did get Utah out of it. I wow. think
0: what happened was, and I just read up on it, is that NBC already had the movie book. Before they decided to move the release schedule to <clears throat> coincide with King Kong.
1: All right. Well, I don't know about that, but I'll go yeah, with it. Yeah, it was something like that.
3: I, 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 now that you say that, I do remember reading that. <clears throat>
0: yeah,
1: so,
3: well,
0: um... And funny is if you watch a John Belushi is stoned off his ass the whole time.
1: Yeah. Well... So the way it was. <laughs> so, third movie that we have for our, our Saturday night was moved from April, and it is what, George? Uh, well, the let's take that Creek. for a
0: little later in the show.
1: Well, we need to mention it now because we're going in order. It's Legend of Boggy Creek. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But, but we will, we'll come back to that a bit later. But it was originally scheduled for <laughs> April, and it ended up getting moved until um, – Moved until uh, September, uh, and the last movie, of course, for Saturday night is George,
3: the brain that would not die, wouldn't die.
1: Sure reminds us of you, Steve. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah. Anyway, uh, don't sound so MST- enthusiastic.
0: MST3K favorite. And one of those that we seen uncut on TV as a kid, and it blew our mind, especially that ending of it.
1: The monster is very scary in that movie.
0: Yeah, I thought a I thought just seeing the guy get his arm ripped off and the scary. blood hitting the wall on TV back then, you're like, "What the?"
1: <laughs> it was filmed in Terrytown, that movie, from what I understand. Yeah. Or I don't yeah, know where the locations uh, are.
3: Yeah, no, the producer Joseph Green was uh, in New York. I actually got to meet him uh, one time on screen. Yeah.
1: Wow. Impressive.
3: Yep. The producer director, he directed it. I mean, he was a film distributor that was his office was in New York. I was at his office. He's passed away now, but um, yeah, he was a really really cool guy. You know. Very um, good. Yeah, he was a he was a he only I think it was he only directed a couple of films. Some films. Uh, he was I remember he was trying to get a biker film. he told us he was trying to get a biker film off the ground with aIP or something and it just it never it just never was finished and then he did uh, he did maybe one or two other films that didn 't get much distribution as far as it being a director producer director but his his main thing was uh, distribution Joseph green films they actually distributed um a couple of jess Frankel movies Kiss me Monster and um uh, what's the other one that goes with that, with the two girls, uh... Uh, the red
0: lips film.
3: Yeah, those two films, he I think he distributed. Dorotica, what was the other one? The Red
1: Lips? What was it? Bloody Lips? Called called I don't know what the title is,
0: but they're called the two Red Lips films.
1: Lips but here they call
3: Yeah, in the U.S., they were called Kiss Me, Monster, and Satis Derotica, and he, he distributed them. I love them. those yeah. films. Yeah. Right. Here's a little trivia for you.
0: Yep,
1: Did I have those he, on DVD. Uh,
3: Did uh, too, from uh, No, actually, was it, that was A.I.P. distributed, that trans-American But oh, it has
1: the same actress as Kiss Me Monster. Yes,
3: Janine Renard, yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. She has a very interesting look, for sure. No yeah. doubt. So, all yeah. right. Do so, what, what are we talking about next? To-
0: Show some uh Jess Franco during
3: the fall one. What? Yeah, I don't see why not. You 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 don't wanna know which ones, but yeah, I I think I think I think I think it'll happen. If we're still around. Jess Franco Kiss yeah. me
1: Monster <laughs> Well then. So a couple of things to know about the show in September. We will this for this show because it's sort of a different kind of uh, happening because of COVID-19. We won't be doing any um, photo ops for, during the show. We're not doing a group photo, um, nor am I planning on having anybody dressed up and walking around um, to do any photo ops because we will be practicing social distancing. At the drive-in, and we were also asking that everybody wears a mask this this time round. If you're outside of your vehicle, you should have a mask on. So that's really all there is to know. Is there anything else, George, or is that pretty much sum everything up?
0: Yeah, yeah wearing a well, mask when you're say, indoors. This is, is a very special thing that they're actually getting to do it, and it's our job as fans if we go there to respect right. rules.
1: Right, absolutely. George, what were you saying about it?
3: No, I was saying, like Gene said, we're, we're definitely, I spoke to the, uh, to the manager of the theater, and definitely we, we agree about the, that we, we, we highly recommend, and, and, and we're going to, you know, definitely enforce, you know, wearing masks indoors. When you're in the concession stand, uh, when you're in the bathrooms, now don't forget, being, a, being at a drive-in in your car uh, <laughs> is the Best place to be as far as a public event right now. Uh, here right. in New York, they're doing, um, you know, drive-in concerts, drive-in, uh, uh, yep, whatever, uh, even religious services because it's, you <clears throat> know, it's the safest place to be. So we're we're a, we're at a head start, you know, with this as it because okay. of that, which is good. Now you you know I think people I think people who come to this are educated and and know what to do and. You just know, practice your space. social
1: distancing. Yeah, right? there's plenty of so.
3: space on this property for social distancing and we just we just want everything to go smooth, everybody to play it safe. You know, don't be idiots.
1: Right, if the bathroom looks full, then do. stay out of the bathroom. If the if the concession stand appears to be full, stay out of the concession stand. I know I think that Riverside has has marks on the floor or something for its, the distancing through the through the, the checkout line Or the ordering line Or something I believe they do I'm not 100% sure I think they have But I You know Just yeah. limit the amount Of people You know If you see People lined up Going in Get in line Take your time And just try to keep Social distancing And you know Do what you have to do Wear a mask yeah. At the bathroom and, uh, As a number of people Stay out of the bathroom Until the, the You know Until everybody's out Is pretty much yeah. What you have to do and,
0: um, uh, This is For me And I hope hoping Is great Uh if you go if you know it's a big time like a half hour before showtime when everybody's going to be buying their dinner
1: right don't pick
0: yeah. that time to go to the monster bash guys and buy DVDs, t-shirts and souvenirs wait for the movie to start right or during the ads before the movie it'll be very quiet during then
1: well, I think we've all been practicing this social distancing thing and the mask wearing thing for a number of months. So, you know, you um, go to grocery stores, you go to Lowe's, you go to Home Depot, you go to Walmart, you go to all these places, and you see a certain amount of success with social distancing and a certain amount of success with mask wearing. And, you know, it's just the way reality is in, you know, the United States and human nature. It comes down to you. Yourself being the responsible person to do the right thing. So if it looks like it's too packed or you're not comfortable or whatever, then, you know, just step aside for a little bit and wait for things to clear. I mean, you can't guarantee 100% that everybody is going to follow rules, but if you follow the rules, you're one more person that's adding to the success of those rules, and I think that's what George was saying about being responsible yeah. So we're asking people To be responsible You know, do it
3: And I want to like, What Steve was saying is right about the You know, going to the Monster Bash Creepy Classics table At the right time Don't forget too, I mean You can You know, you, you Anybody listening can That wants to buy Something specific from those guys They can, you know You know, email Creepy Classics Ask them to bring You know, bring it or if he, if he's going to bring, I don't know, a certain DVD or a magazine, whatever. You know, you could say, can you, you know, put it to the side for me? So you can contact those guys ahead of time if you don't want to spend a lot of time. And maybe they'll put together the, you know, save to the side what you want to purchase. And, um, you know, have it ready for you where you can come in, go in and out, too. So, I mean, and I've seen Ron right. do that on a regular basis where he's just like, you know, he's got somebody's package of stuff they want ready, ready you know, ready there there and then. And the same thing, I, I believe um, the, the, river, the the concession stand has pre, you could pre-order food online, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm almost positive that's going to be applying to this.
1: Yeah. And, um, so you I can use that I, you option can, too. I think you can order from the safety of your car and then wait and and go pick stuff up. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I know you can.
3: And there's going to be online tickets available, too, where you can purchase the tickets online. We'll have all that information up because that's not going to go up until, you know, a couple of weeks before the actual show. So we'll just keep on looking on the community page, the Riverside page, for any kind of detail like, about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: they are handling the ticket sales. They 100% the Riverside is handling the ticket sales. So any questions you have concerning tickets or anything, please contact the Riverside. That's not something George can take care of for you. They are they are handling it themselves. Is going to be and, a by the, and, and by the way, too, hold on, let me go back one second here. If you order online from your car the food, they will notify you when your food is ready to go pick up. That's another service which they're offering oh. to people that are at the drive-in. So they, they've got a nice little system working out for them, which people should take advantage of. So but you, yes, you can't order a food from
3: Kentucky. You can't order food from Kentucky expecting to come and deliver No,
1: no, you cannot. <laughs> so they are set. They are everything is, is in place for that as well. So that's a great service that they're offering. That will actually probably free up a lot of the waiting, you know, sometimes they get a bit overwhelmed with a lot of people in line and this will actually free up some of that line. Which is a good thing for them and a good thing for people, so that's that's yeah. the positive. So, yeah, so we're looking forward to this. We've got some we got some precautions in line here and, you know, we think it's going to be a safe time, but again, it's up to the people who are attending to be the responsible party and do the right thing. You need to wear a mask. Period. So, any other questions, Steve? Any other points of interest are you, here because I can't you think else. to
0: have a t-shirt this
1: year. George I don't know. I I speak. I don't we don't know so yet. Has Ron said anything to you? Ron said to me that he didn't think that we were doing T-shirts this year, but that was prior to George announcing the full line of films. So at this point in the game, I'm not 100% sure. I would say check the web page for that. Check the Facebook page if they're available. If Ron's doing them, um, we'll have them up on the page. The information for people to to do pre-orders at this point in the game, I don't know what he's doing. So, you know, he did He he said he was not sure because he this was. But I, I mean, I talked to him. I think it was about my God. How how long has it been since you announced the full lineup? Three weeks. So I don't know. Yeah, something doing. like that. Yeah. We will have it up on the page. We're a month away from this, so we have some time here, you know, to play with. But, yeah, good stuff. Are we seeing you this year, Stephen?
0: No, I got to take care of medical issues. I got a hyperscopy <coughs> on the on the 5th, and uh, I'll be getting the results. i probably going to a big hospital in Nashville in oh, October.
1: Well, I hope you do well with that. Sorry that we're going to miss you.
0: I'm gonna miss
1: you because, like I said, it's a sweet lineup. I mean,
3: but, but, but Stephen, we want to have you. we want to have you on the uh, streaming show Labor Day weekend?
1: Yeah, we're doing okay. a Labor Day weekend show. We thought it would be great to have you on because you um, always have us on. So maybe if you're able to, you know. Yeah,
0: oh, I'll be able case. to. Uh, it ain't totally. Yeah, well, I, I
3: definitely me. want you on that show.
1: So. What yeah, we talked about this quite a bit. Or Haven's
0: not announced that
1: yet. For what? The movies that we're going to show, we don't Later know yet.
0: Too. Yeah,
1: the we I don't know don't, what movies. We're we're I was thinking until of like, uh, Thursday before.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I
3: was thinking.
1: I was thinking maybe
3: we show one one movie each night. I don't know. We could do yeah. two. I don't know. I wanted to do more like a magazine show about the.
1: We're doing like a like a monster like a monsterama, magazine like PM magazine kind of style. We're gonna we're gonna be talking. Pretty much the same way we're talking on your show now about, you know, the about uh, the movies that we're going to be showing and, the you know, the the PPE safety protocols for the yes, event. exactly. You know, that we expect people, you know, to, to, to do that and just stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be all right.
0: You can get some sweet masks so you can uh, wear, go to the Monster Roman style because I've seen people selling Frankenstein masks, Dracula masks.
1: Well, you know, somebody, I had said to George, we, George and I talked about this, and ironically, a number of people had approached me and said, would we be willing to print up Monsterama face masks for this event, you know, to hand out, and we're not going to do that. And one of the reasons why is because people would throw them all over the place and leave them behind, and that's a safety issue and and inconsiderate for the Riverside to have to clean up masks that are thrown all over the property. So we're not going to we're not creating any we're not printing up any kind of masks for this event. You know we're not going to be doing that. So oh, and I appreciate the suggestion. Oh you know, yeah, you can buy ones that would be themed towards that night. But I'm saying we're not going to be printing anything promotional-wise. If it's a, a mask. So we're not. That's not going to happen. But. And
0: if you did,
1: what's that? I would have
0: like green splotches on it and have, say
1: <laughs>
0: to keep the blood from the Blood Island monster from getting in your mouth.
1: Oh God!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, Steve. Hey, it it can't to
0: not me. be as tacky as the green, as the green blood serum they gave out when you first watched Monster of Blood Island <laughs> in the
1: theater? I wonder what it was. It was it just collectible or was it something that people could drink? Was it like like I would have gave out lime um, lime freeze pops, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think they was, must have gave like, something out that you could actually drink. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I
3: was gonna try to recreate it, but I don't know if it's gonna happen. I wanted to do something, but and you know when the, with the brides of blood, they gave out they gave out. Like, plastic, or I, I assume they're plastic. They gave out wedding rings to all, like, oh. the, the female patrons. That was oh. the promotion for that film. When the Brides of Blood came out. That was right. the marketing promotion. They gave out, like, well, wedding sure rings. I'm sure you
1: could get some weddings, some plastic rings to give out if you wanted yeah,
3: to. Yeah, well, maybe we'll do that
1: then. You know. Anyway, we I mean, have, a, we have a trailer. The
0: only one Hammer did, uh, Dracula... <laughs> No, you. Yeah, you shown Rasputin, didn't you?
1: No. We wanted to give out the beards and the zombie art. We had uh, a
0: hammer that whoever distributed uh, Rasputin over here, if you was a boy, you got a blue beard. And if right, you was a girl, right. you got a pink Rasputin beard to wear during the
3: movie. Right. <laughs> I, I think, I think was a, say. I, I think they just gave out black beards. I don't think they were colored. I
1: don't think I didn't. Know, I didn't know anything about that actually either. They so. did give out beer. They did. I mean, they were like probably the cheapest, you know, <laughs> fake beard, but I have no I, no idea about that. Um Rasputin played with the reptile, but
3: but I don't remember the reptile having any kind of gimmick, any kind of promotion. That was uh, that was, uh, that, was oh. that was the valley who gimmick thing. They did that. The Dracula Prince of Darkness and plague of the zombies. They gave out. Teeth and zombie eyes. Like the the guys got the vampire teeth and the girls
1: right. got the zombie yes. eyes, yes. which was like yes.
3: those yes. those little fake glasses with the,
1: yeah, they know, those cool. extra cool. eyes. Cool. I don't know what they, they are. Had, uh, before, um,
3: uh,
0: which one was it uh, of the 270s Draculas where they had the vampire oath before the movie?
1: Right.
3: Yeah, it was Dracula we've, AD 72.
1: We've the, 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 the Dracula that, Society actually. oath, yeah. We screened the condensed version of that during the previews at previous monster rama's. i was going to say we have a trailer uh, coming out uh, from Robert Milligan and Associates, uh, maybe within the next week or so. We've kind of been just, you know, we didn't. We talked about doing a trailer with with the clips all the way back when you know the movies were announced, and you know George and I have been kind of casually just pulling things out of the air and sending them to. Robert, and Robert's been, you know, monkeying around, putting some stuff together. It's very laid back, <coughs> this whole process of this trailer. So at some point on the uh, Monsterama page, we will have our official trailer <coughs> that Robert Milligan and his associates have put together. So it should be something spectacular to see, from what I understand, but we'll we'll see it at some point, you know. So maybe in a week. Or two. But I'm looking at some, forward to it. Yeah, we have an idea what it's going to look like, but he always surprises us. We just kind of told him, you know, I kind of wanted to use the love boat theme, but I didn't think that would go down very
0: well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, just have the, the love boat theme playing or uh, something like that, you know, and just go with that sort of, uh, you know, it's a... It's a uh, you know What do you call it A vacation in hell Kind of Everything's gone Crazy You know It kind of fits 2020 To be honest with you When you think about it You know So But at least the asteroid's not hitting the earth Until after Monsterama So that's A good thing Well we got
0: murder <laughs> warning, So you should have At least booked One killer
1: uh, Oh I wasn't worried about those
0: They're well, busy out on the coast just, That could have been a gimmick You've seen murder hornets. Now come see the killer bees. Or we the talked swarm about that. Uh,
1: excuse me. We talked about the killer bee phenomenon in the 1970s on one of our, one of the movies that we we screened, a killer bee movie, actually. Uh, was it the last time, George, And August?
3: Yeah, the bees. We showed the bees for John Faxon. Yeah, for
1: John Saxon's Right. And uh, we were talking about, for younger viewers or listeners that were unaware Um, Back in the 1970s, there was a lot of hyperbole and nonsense about these African killer bees that were going to, or South American killer bees, they were coming to get us, and they never got here because (laughs) they crossbred with American bees, and that was the end of it, you know. So, but it was on the news every night; it was on, at least once a week. It was on the news, and they're coming, they're coming. They're going to get us, and then nothing ever happens. So uh, I feel the same way about yeah, the I murder remember hornets. that
0: there was a kid, the spider movies and the the bees and the wasps.
2: Well... The
0: was just mostly bees and spiders.
1: These killer hornets are, if I'm not mistaken, are what? Washington and Oregon, and that's it. So I don't think they're anywhere else in the United States. So they're, from what I understand, last I heard, which was this past week, they were... Rapidly tracking down Possible um, hives or whatever And planning on getting rid of them So, you know, it's hard to say I mean, and again I don't know exactly What's going to happen With like winter and all that If they're going to survive the winter It's easy to assume that killer hornets Are going to destroy the United States But I think our climate might be a little different Than where they're originally from So I don't know And this has me
0: excited Because this is not the generic 80s night that 99.9% of the drive-ins are gunning for.
1: Right. You mean for what? Well we're doing. Yeah. Well, we do that in April. That's why. So.
0: Yeah. Even when you, you know. do the 80s night, you don't touch the stuff like they've been showing you, like, Back to the Future the Breakfast Club. The Lost Boys.
1: Yeah. I think the drive-ins are doing that stuff on their own. I mean, we're not, we're not it was never the intention of April Ghouls or Monster Rama to show top 40 pop culture 80s icon films. You know, I mean... We
0: did show the Lost Boys during a Vampire Night.
1: Well, we did the Lost Boys, and we did Monster Squad, which was pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty popular 80s film, and also Poltergeist. I mean, George has touched on those audiences, but we haven't scheduled anything like E.T. or you know <laughs> yeah. back to the future or the Goonies. <laughs> so, you know. I, I don't think George has the Goonies in mind any time in the near future.
3: No, I before. think the Riverside oh. might have shown that uh see the Riverside uh that we do the drive in event at has been showing retro films every weekend now because that's basically all they can show. Yeah. So they've been showing a lot of the eighties films basically and seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, but just what, what what might bring in a crowd. You know, I mean, let's face it, you know, like if you show like the searchers or I don't know, I'm just, a, or Citizen Kane, well, you know, or I'm just saying, you can't, you know, you got to show like Naked Gun or Blazing Saddles or, or Footloose. You have to show something that people are going to come in for their audience because this is, you know, this is a rural area and... They want to see, like, more stuff that they grew up with. And, and.
1: Yeah, so they pair up. They've been pairing up theme theme movies is what they've been doing, two movies that are similar is what they've been doing, and that's been successful for them. So that's, like uh, that's a good guys, thing. Uh,
0: before What's that? seeing it at the drive-in, I was like, yeah, I like Poltergeist, but then, then actually getting to see it on the big screen, Green out in the drive-in. I was like, "Wow, this actually is effective."
3: I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I think it achieve- worked well. It. I saw it when it first came out, but I thought it worked very well nice. on the, on the driving screen again when we yep. showed it in a couple of April's ago. Yeah, and it was part yeah, think, of a, a Toby Hooper well. night, you know.
1: So yep. Well, I think that we talked about this. I think that um, Funhouse is very underrated in terms of a Toby. Cooper film. I think it's very underrated and once you start really watching that movie and paying attention to the set design and the lighting and everything, you know it, it really comes across as it fits into the whole Chainsaw Massacre kind of feel it's very, you know, I mean it, it, with with the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre film and certainly well into the second film those, uh, these are the only two we're talking about we're not talking about Leatherface or any spinoff movies, but there was always a sort of carnival freak show feeling to Toby Hooper's productions, where you know things were kind of like a spook house. But where I'm going with this comment is essentially everything that Rob Zombie has been doing, Toby Hooper was already doing. So I think no, Funhouse uh, has has that whole atmosphere that the, the that the other movies had. The two to Toby Hooper, uh, Texas Chainsaw films—they sort of have this like you know carnival atmosphere of freaky, sideshow, sh- creepy stuff like you know corpses that have been glued together and masks and stuff hanging all over the place, kind of like when you're going through a funhouse or something. And and I think that of course the movie is called Funhouse, but I'm just saying that Toby Hooper has a certain quality. About the way he things come out, they have a certain feel, and I found that that movie fit into that feel. And you can see nuances of it in Poltergeist, although I think the majority of that production was Steven Spielberg. Um, there's yeah. just a certain way that a certain way, and even I don't know, I was gonna say even in Invaders from Mars, the underground caverns and stuff, they all sort of have that, you know, again, Toby Hooper kind of goofy fun house. Feeling or whatever There's just a certain feeling It seems to go with his films And Funhouse absolutely is the epitome of that And I like that movie a lot You know I end up buying the Blu-ray Which is something I thought I would never do um, Around the time that we screened it I thought you know what I am going to get the Blu-ray And I got the Blu-ray And I was very pleased with it And incidentally I a part
0: of uh, Funhouse Is still William Finley And his daughter I just love them as this bored magician who can do the tricks, but he's just so bored that he's just standing there right. smoking while tap, tap, tap.
1: <laughs> well, it's, a, it's definitely an, it's a, it's another movie of his, like the Texas Chainsaw films, that have an eclectic and unusual cast of characters. It, you know, yeah. very much, very much what characters. Rob Zombie tapped into when Rob Zombie did House of the Thousand Corpses, and everybody loved that movie, including myself, because I lo- I like that film because it was such an homage to 1970s uh, horror films and certainly to Toby Hooper. But I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a very high opinion of Rob Zombie. I don't I, I don't like what he did to Halloween. I, in fact, I despise what he did to Halloween, and I just feel like he's making the same movie over and over again. So, um, you know, he is redundant to me. Um, I saw a movie this past year that came out, uh, directed a video called Haunt. I don't know if you caught that movie about this this haunted house that sends out these invitations of Laura's kids to go to this haunted house. And and these kids go there, and it turns out that there are these mutant monster things that are running this haunted house and killing kids. And I I have to tell you what, thumbs up for that movie. I'm not a big fan of a lot of modern films, but I really liked Haunt. I like the artwork for it. I just like the title. Um, I I like I I like the fact that it was extremely reminiscent and an homage to something that would have been done by Toby Hooper. So I gotta say, thumbs up for Haunt. And it's not overly gory and disgusting. There's some 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 pretty um, explicit things that take place in the movie, but it's not it's not 100% relying on. Relying on gore to make the film work, or jump scares. So, I liked yeah. it a lot as well. I thought it was a good or movie. Jump
0: scares. That's the problem. Was I have a lot of modern days? Is that ninety percent of their scares are the jump scares?
1: Right. right. I remember reading. I, I, I've talked about this before on your show, and and George and I have talked about this. I remember reading reviews for The Witch. You know, and these people were, these kids were. On Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, IMBD or you know, where are these different online rating services, and they 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 all hated The Witch, and they were all saying a good horror film is jump scares and loud noises, and this movie doesn't have any. Well, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> that's not <laughs> what makes yeah. a good horror. That's not what makes a good horror movie. That's why that's why fans of George and I's age, you know, are superior to kids today that watch horror films. I, there, I said it. I'm an elitist. That's the way I feel about it. I, I seldom oh, meet younger people.
0: Young I meet younger
1: pe- people.
0: People yeah. today that talk. actually
1: have credibility about what they what yeah. they like because they refuse to embrace the past and see what led to these modern films existing. George and I didn't grow up that way. We grew up aware of the older movies that led to the films that were in the theaters at the time because we were open-minded and because we had famous monsters of filmland. Kids today, young horror fans, they have access to this a huge library of audio and visual stimulus on the Internet, and they still refuse to pay attention to older stuff. A lot of them do, and, and they're damned for that. Y you, you know, if you're not aware of what led to the creation of these movies that you enjoy so well, then you know what, you, you're stupid. That's what it comes down to. You have to okay. you have to you can't be a fan of just nineteen eighties movies. You know? George and I know one person. In particular. What's that?
2: Hello there. Hi guys.
1: Hello. Welcome. Hello.
0: And this is Pamela Pierce What's your last name? I
2: forgot how to pronounce Barcelo it Barcelo Okay You pronounce it Barcelo It sounds like a W one. Yeah. But you can call me Pam Pierce it's Nice and easy. Hello
1: Pam Pierce Welcome to the crazy show <laughs> Hi Pam This is
2: This is George We've been talking
3: I booked uh, The Legend of Boggy Creek from, from Pam For the Monsterama Which we originally Had for April And now we're Showing it next month.
1: Absolutely. I'm so excited to yeah. be there. It's amazing. It's so, Pam, I would ask you, and you've probably been asked this many times, but for people that haven't heard it, how do you how do you feel all these years later with with the success of the film coming back and everything, and this newfound popularity? What does it feel like? I mean, did you expect this type of thing to happen, or? You know, are you surprised by it, or how did how did this happen for you? I'm curious.
2: You know, I anticipated it to be a success, because people have asked for a restoration remaster for quite a while. But that being said, it is always surprising. It is always such an honor, and it, it's just kind of just, just- it's so refreshing when I Sure hear from fans or when they write me or of course before COVID when we were going out and I was getting to meet all the fans and they were coming to the shows. It was just it the stories that they tell me are the most amazing stories and they're they're personal, they're family stories a lot of times. I've found out The Legend of your Creek is like a tradition for a lot of people. Wow. Uh, you know, grandparents, so children used to watch it with their grandparents. They saw it with their, you know, moms and dads, and now they're showing it to their grandchildren, which is super fun. But we have all kinds of new fans, too, which is very exciting and something that I didn't necessarily anticipate.
1: Well, you know, I think once things go back to normal are you are you planning on going out on the convention circuit and actually going to conventions and stuff, or have you been doing that already because I think that's something that you would really enjoy doing. I've worked in the entertainment business with a lot of movies and and cast members, and I'm always your story thrills me because it's always amazing how this this product from all these years ago has come back 30, 40 years later, and you never expect it to come back with such an incredible enthusiasm, let alone, like you said, the personal stories, that's what makes it, because that just shows you how the media of that film has touched so many lives in the last 20, 30, 40 years. That's incredible, you know?
2: Right. The movie really did become part of people's lives. Uh, People, when they write to me, they'll say, you know, I, we see movies. I would see movies as a kid, and those Hollywood sets didn't look like anything that I was growing no. up with. And, sure. You know that didn't sure. look. Like, but I could go into my local woods, and all of a sudden, I could be <laughs> tracking the South Monster, and and he, could, you know, so it became a part of people's lives. That so many people say that that's when they became interested in Bigfoot when they saw that sure. movie. And, And other people became interested in filmmaking after seeing the movie. Wow. And then, like I said, it became a tradition where people watch it, you know, at Halloween or they watch it at Christmas. Or some people, they tell me that they put it on in the background because it gives them, like, it's comforting. They tell me it's a comforting movie, even though it (laughs) scares them and it's eerie. There's something, I guess, that's comforting to them, you know, about it. So. Somebody awesome. told me the other day, they, they wrote to me and they said, I am not exaggerating when I say that I have seen this film almost 500 times. Wow. And I have to say this, I have to say this too. You know, for all these years in home videos, to, to, you know, I mean, in 75 when the film was shelved. They didn't really even have home media. It was just starting to, you know, there was beta and that whole thing, remember? And so, ever since it's been out there in homes, it's been this poor quality pan and scan, which you know what pan and scan is. You're kind of just getting the thumbnail of the picture. So, you had lost that wonderful, you know, wide angle that goes across and. And my father shot the film like he was doing a painting or something. Like, you know, if you look at those, but that was all lost in the in the bootleg. But it's a testament to the story that it, it remained popular. It became a cult classic, you know, all of those things. And people love their bootlegs. Somebody came um, to one of the shows last year and told me that that their dad had actually been buried with a copy of his... Wow. Yeah. So it's crazy. But let me say this, too. The story is a wonderful story. And and The Legend of Boggy Creek is a documentary. It was released as a documentary. They didn't have docudramas back then. That pioneers the docudrama format. But basically, it's a documentary about this community that has these encounters with the Bigfoot. That's what it is. And that subject matter is very relevant even today.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. With 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 the explosion of, of the cryptozoological uh, phenomenon, especially with the travel channel and many of the channels doing all the paranormal stuff and, all of the uh, cryptozoological shows, which I've been watching for years myself, it's, this movie is absolutely something that, that fits in. And, you know, there were a lot of films similar to your father's production back in those days with the Sun classics and stuff, but The Legend of Boggy Creek was always a cut above the rest. It was a beautifully shot film, and just the way that it mixes live acting and, and documentary is something I think that definitely makes it the best of all those movies. So we're very excited about seeing it restored. It's going to be uh, quite a quite a piece of work on a big screen. The restoration looks uh, absolutely uh, terrific. The town, yeah, uh, the
0: town that dreaded sundown too, George.
3: Yeah, was, I, I like saw told that, Pam. When I booked, uh, you know, me and Pam and I had you know had some conversations online. When I booked the film of April, I mentioned that to her that we did show the town that dreaded sundown uh, at uh, one of the April ghouls, I believe.
0: Yeah, we and did actually was, quite a
3: while ago. That was that yeah. was one of the films that just really worked so well at the drive in. I, I mean we're yeah. we're big we're big Charles Pierce fans. I mean I loved you know, he did so many entertaining films. I mean I just watched The Norseman again and uh with Lee Majors and Cornell Wilde, and it's like right. I'm like I yeah. just got I mean his he got so much out of I mean you know that the, these films that he did were not the highest budgeted film, but they have such a, yeah. a and most of them were shot in scope, and they have such a grand look to them. And the, yep. the the uh, the westerns he did like Winterhawk, I mean they have such production value. And he got great. I mean he was he had, he had great actors in his film that Ben Johnson and people like that Andrew <laughs> Prine, just 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 I just absolutely love his movies. Good Thank stuff.
2: You. He really he worked hard to. You know, he, he really wanted good actors. Slim Pickens, is, you know, bootleggers. We just uh, put that into 4K about...
1: Also, The Evictors, was, too. That's another one. The Evictors, yes. yes. Oh, the yeah, the Evictors yeah, is terrific, tomorrow
2: yeah. and Jessica Harper and Michael Parks. Michael Parks. Yeah, Michael Park. Yeah, Michael that. Park. Wow. That, yeah. no, that's a terrific I, movie. I
3: remember seeing it on HBO. I first saw it on HBO. But, uh,
2: I don't know if but, you know that the movie poster for Evictors was done by Drew Struzan. No. You know Drew Struzan, who did Back to the Future, and that uh, there's a. No, I did
1: not right know there. that. Not at all. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> a great,
2: it's a great poster. Yeah. And so, do y'all know about the Legend of Boggy Creek poster? You know, that there, and the whole story behind that. No, yeah. not at all. Oh, you're going to love this. Okay, so, so you know, my dad did this on practically no budget, and he had gone to Los Angeles to do his post-production work and gotten in with Tommy Mendoza-Nava, the composer, had, uh, yeah. had founded this production house, post-production house, and so that's where they had done the work. So he introduces him to Ralph McQuarrie. Ralph, uh, this is, so The Legend of Boggy Creek was his first, Foray into the entertainment business. He had done some work for NASA. I don't right. quite know how NASA and the Falk Monster uh, mesh, but my dad hires him for that. He does the paint. He does a, the poster as a painting first. My dad brings it back to Texter Canna in 1975. Ralph McQuarrie goes to work for George Lucas. Wow, Lisa I, had, n- I had
1: no idea. Nope, no idea. Yep,
2: and creates wow. everything Star Wars. So he's ex- actually yeah. uh, Lucas hires him on the spot with the, because <clears throat> he had brought in some movie posters. He also did uh, Town That Dreaded Sundown, Ralph McQuarrie. So if you've ever noticed a resemblance between the Falk Monster and Chewbacca, it's because they yes. are created <laughs> by wow. the same artist. And there wow. are also parallels between Darth Vader and the Phantom Killer. So and wow. there's other correlations too, but yes, so Ralph McQuarrie did uh, he did the poster for Winter So, So Legend of the Creek, Bootleggers, Winter Hawks Winter Autumn and The Town that drew The Dreaded Sundown
1: I had no idea. So, and then I
2: get, yeah, and I guess he was busy <laughs> doing something else when evictors came along, so he uh, asked his friend Drew Struzan to do evictors. So isn't that, isn't that crazy fun?
1: It is crazy. I had no idea because I grew up on Ralph Macquarie's art because I'm, of course, was a yeah. Star Wars fan. Seeing And George and I both saw it in the theater how many times. And you bought the art of Star Wars books. There were these beautiful, large, um, yeah. you know, you know what I'm talking about, those giant uh yeah.
2: Yes, table absolutely.
1: books the, yes, the coffee table books yes. Yeah they're beautiful And have his art see. is uh, amazing
2: Have you seen the uh, the book Archives the art of Ralph McQuarrie
1: No have I have not book?
2: But that's a really good one too And that includes all his work And that has the e. Pierce work In there And it's dedicated partially to my dad That book
1: That's amazing That's a great this legacy is that
2: fun? Yeah, it is so, uh, yeah. so he literally gives him his first work in the film business. Awesome. Uh, oh, and here's a, here's another fun here's another little fun part about it. The bottom part of the you know where it's all Legend of Boggy Creek and it's that part on the actual painting is cut and paste. Yeah, and that was done by the art director who's listed on the film, John Ball. And John Ball did about five movies, I think, for my dad, including Dreaded Sundown and Evictors and The Norseman. And uh, after he left my dad, he moved to Kansas City, and he went to work for Hallmark Cards, and he is the creator and founder of Shoebox greeting Cards.
1: No idea. I'm looking at the poster right now, actually, while we're talking. So, Yeah.
2: So apparently yeah. you said yeah. that the you two box trading the, cards, the, two box trading cards is the number one, the biggest card company in all the world. Yeah, it is. Apparently so so you that, were saying that that the boot, the bootleggers.
3: Right I'm sorry. the, boot, the bootleggers is going to get uh, you're doing a restoration for the bootleg bootleggers. Is it going to be released uh, on um, on Blu-ray and that sort of thing too?
2: So, yeah, I'm working on, um, I haven't gotten that far with the Blu-ray yet. What I did is I did restore it so that we could play double features at the drive-in this fall. So I want to play, I want to play, we just played our first week. I played in uh, Arkansas, actually, and the exhibitor told me that she had custom. So we played at the Kenda, I don't know if you know the Kenda, but it was it was her father's theater it was named after her, and so now she runs it, and she said that she had customers that she hasn't seen in ages Wow that yeah, and she said that so many some of the people that had come to see it in the you know way back in the seventies they came back they were back watching, it. so it was. I can't wait to play the drive-in. That's, it, it's just so classic and so perfect.
3: Yes. Well, yeah. all, all these films that, that he made, that your father made, were made for the drive-in. They're, they've worked so well at the drive-in.
2: Yeah, they really do. They really do. So you've got a G-rated film. You can pack up all the kids. You know, you can, yeah. That right. Perfect. Yep
3: well we're hoping to get the, the on the on the night that we're showing the boggy creek we're showing some some godzilla so we're- we're hoping to get some you know more of a family audience that night that's that was the intent
1: it's an yeah. array of different it, 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 because yeah. monsterrama we've always done theme nights so kind of this year what we had talked about was doing sort of a you know every from movies from different genres in one night so you know uh, the Godzilla films, King Kong, uh, Legend of Boggy Creek, and then The Brain It Wouldn't Die—sort of an expanse yeah. of different genres. A lot of times, well. George will schedule a full night of like Spanish horror or Hammer films, or he'll do Vincent Price or Christopher Lee. So this time, this time since. Since Friday night is so polarized and strictly the Blood Island film, Saturday night had to be something that was a little more of a of, of a of a stretch of different genres. And um Legend of Boggy Creek fits right in there perfectly. It absolutely did. And it was the only survivor from the failed April show. So
2: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It's no it's, it's absolutely perfect for that.
1: Yes, sure it is. It's great.
3: Well as soon as I heard it was um being, you know, you're bringing it back to theaters. I, I had to, you know, I still I have to book that, you know. And and people have been asking even before the restoration. People would ask me about that one. Yeah, and the Riverside Drive is a very woodsy area, very woodsy. So I think that the atmosphere in that film and the docu- the documentary feel and, yeah. and is really gonna. It's
1: it's, yeah, it's, been good, been it's been been a complete life at
3: that theater, at that drive-in. It's just
1: <coughs> well, we have a, creek, be a great experience. Was, we have a river that's right next to us. Uh, that, that, that if you walk off the edge of the Riverside lot, you end up in a it looks river. Like creek. So. yeah, that's that's the name uh, that, Riverside.
2: It, yeah, oh no, that's perfect, absolutely perfect. And you know, here's the thing too: is with the tech, format, that ratio back and putting it back. You once again feel like you're in the movie, that you're a part of the movie. And we had played, uh, I played a, a couple of dozen shows before everything had closed down. And one of my shows was Alamo Draft House, Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn.
1: But wow. Everybody told
2: me that they said, well, I don't know if you know, but uh, I had this booker and she was telling me, She said, I don't know if you know, but that's considered like the hippest, it's very hip. And we saw Barry. That there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. So it was it was great fun though. Afterwards, you know, it, it's got a great little bar there. Afterwards, and so I went and had a drink because I had driven down and everything. So it was such great fun because these young girls, maybe in their twenties, early twenties, twenty three, twenty four, whatever, came up to me afterwards, and they said, "Oh, we have a new favorite movie," and and they were saying how. Spooky it was, and we're downtown Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? So the Not movie, sure. it, it, it puts you back. Somebody had said uh, one of the reviews is when the when atmosphere is everything, the atmosphere is bad. So, you know, to re, we, it was very important to me to restore the sound also to make sure that we had those crickets. And, and we're starting to get older, you know, and a lot of us went to rock concerts and all kinds of stuff. We can't hear that well now. So I wanted to make yeah. sure, A, that, that that sound was back. And so we spent just as much money on the sound restoration using the original magnetic reels from the film. Wow. And so that's all back. And then uh, in our DVD uh, Blu-ray release, we did subtitles.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. That's really awesome. It's a terrific, are terrific restoration. Yeah. So what Absolutely was your – let me ask you a quick question about that, about your experience, not necessarily that night, but so, you know, how did you feel – Sitting there in the theater watching this on the big screen after all these years, what was what was going through your head when you were sitting there? What did you feel? It,
2: well, you know what? It's it is such a good movie. It really is a good movie, and it just there's a there's a, that saying nostalgia is a powerful drug. You sure, know, when sure. You watch it. It just has waves. You just get waves of all those yep. feelings, and it just. It's a it's a strange feeling that movie that it invokes. Uh, it's yes, definitely a um, very sentimental almost. You know, and even you know, the the, the Legend of the Creek is unusual in that it does create that sympathy for the creature that that it's one of a kind and it's out there by itself and you know that whole thing. So so you, I don't know. It's just. I get the warm fuzzies, You know, I think about that's my great. dad. And I, I think about my family, you know, because a lot of my family is in that. And I think about my hometown because, you know, it's that's all of those places that were filmed, that's, sure. all, that's where we grew up, you know. So sure. it's, a, it's a walk down memory lane for me always. But, that's but great. But I think it's for fans, because it's, They'll write to me if you go to the Facebook page and stuff and read those comments people will say i was I saw it at this drive in or I saw it at this theater I was seven years old and, and and they remember everything about it, you know so it's it's one of those movies that really left you know its mark on its audience, which is uh that is it's just' it's just a privilege to to be able to handle a legacy like that.
3: I, when it came out, this was a huge hit. When it came out, I mean, this is a low-budget independent film, but it was competing with yeah. major Hollywood movies, and it was I, it was breaking breaking box office records at the time.
2: You know, later on, I moved to Beverly Hills. I moved to Hollywood, whatever, when I was in my young twenties and um, early twenties, and so I would I met a lot of people out there, okay, that and, and studio heads and all that kind of stuff, and. I would be amazed if the people that knew who my dad was, you know, I mean, wow. in hindsight, Harvey Weinstein, okay, I mean, and Harvey was well behaved because he hadn't gotten famous yet; and he didn't want really to piss my dad off, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but, but others too, you know, I mean, um, uh, the head of Paramount, that just Bob Evans, you know, what I mean? all oh, kinds of people, and I, I remember it just being. Kind of shocked and said, but here's the thing that that was Hollywood, that was real Hollywood. Those people would not have been nice and so complimentary and stuff about my dad had it not been for the money. And that you're right, film, you're
1: absolutely right. Yep. It's yep,
2: yep, it earned its way. I mean, my father and, and it was critically acclaimed, you know. Um, the, the cinematography was a, was a big, you know, a a big thing with critics and fans. They talked about how beautifully it was filmed and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, if you looked at the numbers, Filmmaker Magazine uh, adjusted those numbers for today and put it at like $145 million in 2017. Wow. Uh, It was the ninth, some people say the ninth highest grossing, others say that the 10th highest grossing film. But if you, uh, I've seen numbers adjusted for the highest-grossing documentaries of all time. When you put Boggy Creek numbers in there, even the 25 million that it, you know, made back then, it puts it as the third highest-grossing documentary of all time. Wow. Yeah, no, I that's, well, that would
1: make you can
0: tell by watching any of your dad's films that he loved. Arkansas and he knew how to film Arkansas perfectly
2: well you know he had grown up he grew up there as a true country boy with all the shenanigans and and my dad was very much an entertainer even at a very young age Uh, so he was he had he would tell stories even back then he he would entertain kids on the, you know, at school. He was, in fact, he was voted uh, most talented, most likely to succeed, and wittiest. So he wow. had a very good personality. By the t- uh before I was ever born, he already had his own television show. Um, he had a show, a television show, up. Until the time that he made The Legend of Boggy Creek. I don't know if you guys know this, but he was Mayor Chuckles, and his TV show was The Lackalot Club. No, I did not know anything about that. Wow. It was on Monday through Friday after school, and if you were, you know, the elementary school set, you you watched Mayor Chuckles. So. Anyway, it so just you know with
1: your with your people like your father though you know when you're creative like that it just becomes it becomes a progression in your career you know you start out on uh, small terms you know small okay. entertaining and the next thing you know you get a TV show and then you you it's unquenchable yeah. the thirst and then the next way to express starts. yourself yeah. is a movie right is films that's exactly yeah. it you know that's yeah. fantastic. I mean, doing,
2: he started he had an ad- advertising agency. So he, was, he started making these commercials, and they yeah. were award. They started winning That's awards. That's a similar
1: story, similar yeah. story to what Leighton Image, latent Image. You know, <laughs> Pittsburgh is well known for George Romero, of course, and Night of the Living exactly. Dead. and And uh, you know, there, those people are fantastic. And Leighton Image was an advertising firm that was making commercials and stuff, and they decided to make a horror movie on the on the side called Night of the Living Dead, and it's exactly the same parallel, you know. It's just yep. you, you You got the creative talent and you got the thirst, and you pursue it. And the next thing you know, you got a movie under your belt, and the next thing you know, it's 30 or 40 years later, and the film is restored, and younger audiences are discovering this remarkable piece of work, you know, that otherwise they would have never known about. You know what I mean? They've, they've seen stuff that relates to it, but they were never actually exposed to the source in itself, but, and that's what makes it wonderful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it was it's people like you guys and and Alamo introducing this to the younger people 'cause these these young and girls, young girls was what was kind of a little bit surprising. And their question so so they they told me, like I said, they said that this is their was their new favorite movie and they wanted to know about sightings now. What's happening now, you know? So sure. so like I said, the subject matter is very relevant today
1: Oh, I agree
2: Absolutely so I, I'm going to try to drive down and see it that weekend
3: Okay Well, if you do, you'll be guest of honor <laughs> We would oh. more than love to have you Yes
2: <laughs> Yeah, To see it as I, driving would be just such a treat no, So it, I, I'm going to try to do that it
3: did play at one drive-in this year, didn't it? I don't know. Yes,
2: yeah, so at, it just yeah. So we, so far, it's just played the, at the Kenda so far. But it was like I said, it was a great response again at that drive-in, and you know, and then so you guys will be my second. And I wasn't able to go to we, Kenda in Arkansas. We were supposed
3: to be the first, but you know, you can't.
2: Yes, you were with are. the way things yes.
3: are. Well, it, I'm not. You know, I was hoping it would be the first, but you know. We're still doing it, so I'm happy. You know.
2: Yeah. You know, well, George. I mean, George. Think Arkansas. Think of it as being Arkansas. It's because that's, that's where the legend kind of started. So it feels like I have to do that. It's just a, as the cursory kind of. Thing. Oh, I agree with you, you know 100%. I mean?
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. It's, back, it's we.
2: Yeah. You know, we. I went back and we premiered last year at the Pro Theater, which. Was uh then up for we were nominated for best live event, and I believe we got first place. No, second, first, no, first runner up. We got first runner up, and um, that was great fun. And and I four walled it just like my dad had done, which was uh very scary, it was terrifying. Well, I, I, I don't like four walls. I I thought about my dad so many times Leading up to that, thinking that thinking, Because you know my dad didn't know It was going to be a success For all he knew it was going to be a giant flop
1: Well That's a chance you take as a filmmaker You know yeah. and, and the yeah. thing too is The thing that George and I You know The thing that we've, we've talked about on our show We do a little movie thing uh, once a month now during COVID on our community page, and uh, we've been doing Steve's show here for a number of years. But, you know, films that weren't necessarily successful back then have become successful now, and that's that's another thing. I mean, your father's film had success all along, mm-hmm. but, I mean, it's, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that something that was not financially successful in the 70s could actually have a new audience yeah. today. We yeah. We have found this to be very, very very much the case with with you know with the these shows george actually uh was the first person to put these retro shows together i think in the united states um nice.
3: a driving and a yeah
1: at a drive-in he was the first believe it or not because he the whole story is interesting you know he's in Long Island and he came all the way to Pennsylvania before he found a a theater a a drive-in theater that was actually interested because people didn't think that this would be something that would work and here we are 14 years later and you know it's been an incredible journey and you know you're just part of that and that's spectacular you know there's a whole new audience out there and I think it's very relevant today like you said that's and i think a lot of people that. are experiencing it for the first time you know <clears throat> good Hawaii, stuff i
2: tell me that they come from all over the everywhere to come to y'all shows
1: that's They true. have. yep we've had people yeah, flying from california
2: <laughs> yeah that's Yeah we've crazy. had people you know, take
3: planes yeah,
2: yeah. 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 That's some canadian that's Canadians. The same way in foggy creek we had, you know, when we premiered in 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 Canada, we had people from all over the country come in, and then we also like in these shows at at the Alamo or whatever, people have come and driven. I mean, one guy and his mother came; they drove eight hours each way to insane. the concert. Yeah, well, you know, you know.
1: Going down to see it where it's filmed, though, is also part of the allure because if you're showing that film in the backyard of where it's filmed, you know people yeah. are interested in seeing the town. That happens here with the George Romero films in Pittsburgh. People love to come to the the George Romero conventions and stuff here in Pittsburgh because they could also see where the film the filming was done and all the, the you know the local folklore and stuff and that's another thing that makes that movie very appealing, especially when you're showing yep. it where it was filmed. That people will drive yep. for that or fly for that. Absolutely. Right. That's great. And I don't
2: know if you guys know Lyle Blackburn, but uh Lyle and uh and Craig Woolheater put on the Fout Festival. So we did okay. that at the same time. And it was great fun. People they Good. they gave tours. You know they had a little bus and they gave tours. See
1: that's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. We do that here in for, Pittsburgh. Boggy creek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was. And that works bus. for us. Good yeah.
1: stuff. I can't wait for you to hit all the conventions because you're gonna have so much fun when you go to convention.
2: Know. <laughs> <You> know, boggy <laughs> creek has the best. It really does. They have it. It has the nicest fans. It's really great people, and you got to get
1: into <laughs> Chiller. You should do Chiller up in Parsippany, New Jersey. It's the biggest uh, once all this COVID stuff is done. It's the biggest convention. I think I think George will agree. Probably the largest convention in the United States in terms of uh, you know uh, genre stuff, uh, different movies and everything. And you know it's it's just overwhelming. It's a it's it's a circus for three days of hundreds of people, and you just you're just going to be blown away. It's so fantastic to get out there and meet those fans. You know, they're everything. They to, make it work.
2: I, Monster Bash too. I was supposed to be at Monster Bash this year.
1: Yep. Well, yeah. yeah Monster
3: convention. Bash. They're going to do. They're actually considering this their convention because they're not far from where the in is. So they set up. They're going to set up a whole concession.
1: Yeah. uh yeah. I mean, in the
3: concession stand. So they're 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 considering this their their convention because they can't I, have one indoors. Right. So. He's been coming,
1: uh, Ron's been vending, Ron from Monster Bash has been vending at uh, George's drive-in event for, I think, almost the whole run, maybe the first two years he wasn't there. At least ten years, yeah. He's been there, he's been there for quite a while, so.
2: Nice. I went to, um, my kids, my kids make fun of me the way that I talk, but Horror Hound, sometimes when I say. Yeah, I know, I know Horror
1: Hound, which one's Cincinnati?
2: Yeah. Well, so we went to the one in Indianapolis.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah.
2: And so yeah, they have three: uh,
0: uh, Indianapolis, Nashville, and the other one you said.
2: Right. I mean, Nashville would be fun to go to too. I really want to go to Comic Con too. I know it's a little <laughs> bit different, but if you think about it, this, so so you know, I have to I. I was told early on, think like your dad. So I try to put myself and now my dad never owned or controlled the Legend of Ozzy Creek. He enjoyed, right. you know, he enjoyed the financial success of it, but he never owned it or controlled it. And they didn't have merchandising the same way that they do sure. now. So, yep. mm-hmm. you know. But but the, but the Legend of Bony Creek is perfect for everything from graphic novels because this still happens today, you know. You know, the, uh, these sightings are still happening. So the legend really does continue. Sure. You know, and there's all kinds of things. I've been working on a point of purchase, like display for my – the packages the dvd blu-ray packages and everybody was they were saying oh we want to stand d of that you know so i've been kind of working on that stuff also but when you think about it who better to have the to create the image of bigfoot than ralph McQuarrie? right you know.
3: And that's a great image,
2: yeah.
1: I didn't know that. I had no idea. I was looking at, zooming in on the poster and looking at the poster, and you can clearly see in comparison, you know, as you were saying about uh, the artwork for it versus Chewbacca and stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was a subliminal thing all these years, and I looked at that and didn't quite realize the connection until you said it earlier. It's incredible.
2: Isn't that fun? It is fun. Yes,
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and so because it's... I mean, when you think about The Legend of Argy Creek and all the first, you know, so it's one of the very first independent films. It's the first docudrama. It's the first documentary with its own musical score written for it. It's the first full-length feature on Bigfoot. Um, it, It held the ROI... Uh, highest ROI in film history until Blair Witch broke it, and then I think Paranormal Activity then broke Blair Witch's. But uh, so it had it also held concession stand records for many years. Um, wow! And that's actually it was the concession stand uh, sales that actually originally got Mr. House's attention. The distributor in the film, so which is a, an interesting thing with Boggy Creek, the distribution I have found. So you guys know that That's I'm still. distributing independently. Sure. Through my website, through my website dot com. And my dad, when he was when he was making the film, was looking for a distributor. He called Hollywood, and back then they actually answered the phone. You know, but they would hang up on him, and of course. so later on he he would make he made a big deal because Sam Arloff specifically hung up on him.
1: So later on <laughs> he did
2: his deal with Sam Arloff. Good lord! Right. It's not ironic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, would, he, right. would, he would he must have made he
3: must have made like I'm think, thinking five movies for Sam Arloff after that, right? So three. Maybe. I,
2: three, I think,
3: but it was supposed to be five. I don't know. He never made any money with Sam. Well, Bray Eagle, Winterhawk, Town of Dreaded Sundown, The Evictors, and the Northmen were all released by Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a great story. God, he hung up on him, and he turns out to be one of his most successful film franchisers or whatever directors. God. Well, he did.
3: Yeah, I count five films that he did for American International that Charles. You know, Pierce did. Hollywood all, is a dreadful mess. And they were mass. really good, and I think they all they all did well, and they did wow. very well. Yeah, well, Hollywood was a dreadful mess.
0: Down south, <clears down throat> some people sell me. a movie just on Pierce's <clears throat> name. It would like he be he was one of the directors like down south where his name will be above the title of the picture. Sure, Charles B. Pierce's Greyhawk. Well, you knew what you were going to do. Here's
2: here's the irony. It would say Charles B. Pierce's and everything, but my dad never owned those films.
1: Yeah, that's the way it was.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the
1: way it was. They They had a fight to get back the rights to Night of the Living Dead. It wasn't until the restoration done by MoMA that they actually owned the rights to their film. That's the way it was back then. You turned the film out, the distributors took Mm -hmm. it, and you got a cut of it, and you didn't own the product, and that's
2: terrible, you know? But, you know, I mean, think about I mean, to me, I mean, Warner Brothers owns his movies, really, I think, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the way it works. And somebody had said to me early on, they said, Do you know what a rare position that you are in that you own and control such a beloved classic? And they said, that's reserved for names like Disney, Warner Brothers, and Turner, you know? Sure. And when that happened, when they said that to me, it it took it to a whole new level of responsibility I felt like I had, you know? Sure. one of the things, you know, early on is, you know, Mr. Ledwell had said something when I went back to him, you know, to get the rights and stuff. I thought my dad had come to him. He said, Your daddy never came back here which was very embarrassing, I have to tell you. It's a little bit stunning, you know. I had to regroup real fast on the phone and I said, Well, would you let me do it? Because, you know, at that point in time everybody was crying for a Blu ray disc by then and right. so you know, I said, Well, you know, would you let me if I can find uh if I can find a good copy Stephanie you look, and he so he said yes, you know. And um so it took four another like four years to find one. I don't know if you guys and we we did find it at the BFI, the British Film Institute of our Wow. wow. <clears throat> and when when my father and Mr. Ledwoy had broken up they split up in seventy five. They actually split up over dreaded sundown. My dad wanted to make Dreaded Sundown next, and the Redwills, you know, were very prominent in town, and they, uh, there were, some of the victims' families were very much still alive, and they said, no, you cannot make this movie in town, and you know, my dad moved. He moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, the town over, but the Redwills could not move. They couldn't leave. You know, that was their hometown. So, they ended up Now, my dad didn't end up making that till later, but uh, like I think that was the fifth film. But he wanted to make it almost right away. You know, that's what he wanted to do. So uh, anyway, he was telling me that. So anyway, it was just my dad turns out to be. I don't know if if he knew, but my dad was the one that was bootlegging the movie. But so they were flying low under the radar. Um, well, but, well, oh well, hey, so, whatever
1: it takes. <laughs> yeah. So
2: so what he he get way down on his luck, you know, because as an artist, that's what they what happens, you know. And then he would go and he would make one of these
0: bootleg deals.
2: But at the Mr. Little told me that when they broke up in '75, they ordered all of the copies back to. Texarkana, which there were six hundred and fifty something like that copies. And each copy of the film consisted of five reels of you know, five reels. And so when <clears throat> it all came back there he said they were inundated with film and so they destroyed it. Oh so that's wow. Why, so uh, that's why there are no uh, copies left in there's and no thirty
3: five millimeter prints, print. yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So thank for God for Quentin, the
1: BFI. Yeah, yeah
2: no, that's So so for a long time Quentin Tarantino would say that he had the only known thirty five millimeter. But the thing is is, you know, you can't just call Quentin Tarantino up and say, Hey, could I borrow that? You you can't even really get people on the phone, period. It's just, you know, no, whole I know. Yes, but yeah. the Same kind of thing is, you know, I would have thought that that I would have been able to, you know, I didn't even hear from people who said, "Oh, this would be perfect for for Criterion or or, or whatever." Nobody even, no, I never even heard from anyone. And you, like, again, you cannot get those people on the phone; they do not answer the phone. You know, and yeah. which is that, a shame. Yeah.
3: You would think you'd be pushing for that to get restored. You know, if he's a fan, he's a fan of all these films, and I'm sure he loves that one. He's got a print, and ah, it's a shame, but at least least it happened.
2: Yes, so, I mean, so I ended up, I just, I I thought, well, I'll get a distributor, but the thing is, is nobody was showing up, and I had every day, it was just, over and over and over, the fans saying to me, "When are you going to release the Blu-ray?" When, are you, you know. And I was like, "Oh no, what am I going to do?" And it's like, "I've got to release it. I just going to have to do it myself." And you know. And I remembered my dad. I remember. So I would live with my dad at different times. You know, um, when he was making movies or just anyway. I remember in the early '80s. Y'all remember, uh, like Christy Witt I said your name was Christy Whitman. I said, she saying that one day at a time sweet Jesus? Christy? Was, yes. Christy. Yeah, I, I had her She did commercials for her record. on TV Was it Christy, Christy Lane? Christy Lane.
3: Yeah. Yes. The, the yeah. gospel singer, say, like, right? Call yeah, I called
2: 1 800. And I don't know. My dad said, oh, see, she owns all the rights to that. he said, and I remember him saying that that's kind of what he would do if he. You know, he said, "If you could have the, you know, well, my husband was in his business is intellectual property, and so I spent a Perfect. long time in that, you know, kind of, as, and looking at it differently. So it seems like when you were asking, like, is it unusual? It almost feels like fate. You know, that this yeah.
1: is always yeah. supposed
2: to happen, and even in the movie." you know, about halfway through the the creature disappears and nobody really knows where he's at or what he's doing, you know. And then he comes back. <laughs> and it's all about uh, you know. So anyway it's, well, uh, that's a, a whole journey in is, uh, itself.
0: Uh, the town yeah. that dreaded sundown is from uh the earliest days of uh DVD, Warner Brothers would do like a poll every year what five films do you want us to put out on DVD? And every year in the top five was the town that dreaded sundown. Even though it hit every year they did the poll, they were like, oh, we won't make enough money off of that. No one will bother <coughs> with it.
2: Uh-huh. George, well, what I was your I first. Now, here's it the took a while to get released. Really. So yeah, and I so I did. I, I have the info. with you guys, you know, with the drive in because they said that they would uh, they would make it available at the drive-in. So it could play as a double feature with Boggy Creek. The the only thing is when I was thinking about it, the reason I went <clears> back. <throat> I mean, we have the original negative uh, bootleggers and stuff, so we use that. And I thought, let's just go ahead and. And get that digitized and all that. So he they went ahead and did it so that I'm thinking to myself, as a G rated movie with kids, Boggy Creek is already pretty you know, it, it could be terrifying for a kid. I I think I think Threaded Sundown is up uh, too over the top when you put it with
1: kids. Oh yeah, for children, yeah. For children,
3: yeah, it's yeah, definitely r rated. I mean why, <laughs>
2: That's the reason I didn't really push that with, you know, I know a lot of people said, oh, that would be the, that would be, a you know, a great combination, and, and it would be if you just had adults. But
1: sure. right
2: now I do want it because of COVID and the nostalgia thing. I, I've kind of pushed it more towards families, you know, because, um, like I said, that's a lot of the feedback that I get is people telling me about what it meant to them and their family and you know so that tradition kind of side to it.
1: Oh, that's heartwarming. I know that oh, I was gonna say uh one of
0: those that those of us are Charles Beer's fans will probably go see more with Boggy Creek's and Town the to Red Sundown because of how rare it is.
1: Yeah well and you know true. my first experience with, with Boggy Creek was VHS. Was it yours, George as well? I'm assuming, or how, where did you first see it, George? It was it on, on TV? I or? saw it on
3: television. I saw it on television in the, the usual pan and skin version. I think Killer
2: Theater here in Pittsburgh ran it. it. Yes. So I mean, that's a whole different – I mean, that goes to the testament of what a great story it is. Because when sure. you see it restored in its correct format, the way that it was supposed to be seen – You're in for a real treat. It's like seeing the movie for the first time.
3: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. When I saw the the restoration, I thought the same thing. It was like seeing it Mm
2: -hmm. for the first
1: time. It really was. Well, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, so am Uh, I. So I'm gonna.
3: Definitely. Pam, did did you? You were uh, as a child. You do you have a small part in it in in the actual movie? Yes,
2: sir. So I played Bessie Smith. Child. I'm, the, I'm the first one in the door saying, Grandpa, Grandpa, he saw it. That's my real mother playing Bessie Smith, and she's peeling potatoes. And uh-huh. So we pull her out in the field, and and then we see it, and then it's my mother saying, don't run, don't run. Now, I want to point out something. So here's the thing. I, I talked to Travis uh, pretty early in this you know, adventure, whatever. And so I said to Travis, I said, Travis, how did you, you know, how did my dad find you, at, or Smokey, you know? he said, from the newspaper. His Lynn, his brother, had had an encounter, and it had been reported in the newspaper. So my dad had read that, read about Smokey and stuff so he came down and then spoke and took them out and introduced them to different people in the community that had had encounters, et cetera, et cetera. So he was telling me, he said, I remember going with them. I was with them. And Earl Smith, who later, I don't know if you guys know, but my dad and Earl wrote the script, wrote the original screenplay for impact, and they wrote the famous line, "Go ahead, make my day." No, I didn't know,
1: did know that. that. Yes, yeah, I, uh, did, uh, that. Yep. So, I did not. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. so, the, so the team that wrote the Legend of Boggy Creek also wrote the the, the original story, sudden <coughs> Impact," and they wrote the famous line, "Go ahead, make my day." But anyway, so that so Travis is saying that, that the people are telling the story of what happened, and Earl's writing it down, okay? <laughs> so when when I run in the door saying, Grandpa, Grandpa, we saw it, we saw it, and the Bessie Smith is peeling potatoes, that's exactly what happened that day. Wow. And that, they told their story to my father, and then my father just recreated it. When you read the newspaper account of the Bobby Ford attack, my dad just just recounted that story.
1: Incredible. Yeah, so but I
3: mean... That dialogue, that, well, that's why it has the realism. It just has the realism. Yeah. That's reali- the whole
2: thing. When that, that dialogue when the girls are in the trailer and they say, do you want to cope? That's what they said. Yeah. Well, really? <laughs> well, it just—it yeah. looks like
3: it just looks like they're filming a bunch of girls having a jump party for real. It <laughs> <laughs> <So that's,
2: that's laughs> really yeah. works.
1: Yeah. yeah. So well,
2: um, let's see. go ahead. Go ahead. So it wasn't—it wasn't a real complicated thing, and my father was—I <clears throat> mean, my dad recognized an opportunity, and I mean, he was telling stories. My dad used to do the little cartoons, the little stick cartoons on the edge of a book. And then he would then he would flip the pages to make the little cartoon, you know? And he would make the stick person running and jumping and then, you know, whatever. I mean, he was always creating some kind of entertainment.
3: You know. Right. So it yeah. was
2: that story with, uh I don't know if you guys know, but he was gonna he was gonna make another movie at first. He was gonna make an adventure kind of mountain man film um, that turned out to be something else later on. That I think Earl did, that Spirit of Shakira. But it was called Bright River, and they had gone to Los Angeles to do the pre-production work, and they were driving down Sunset, and they. Saw some teenagers walking down the street wearing South Monster t shirts. Wow. So My dad saw it, he was like, Stop, stop! and he jumped out. <coughs> and so he said, and I read this in an interview in like Variety or something, you know, when I was going back researching this, you know, just in the beginning. And so uh, he said that by the time that they were getting back in the car, he said that he told Earl, Earl, we're making the wrong movie. We got to go home. Wow. So uh, yeah, so it was it was meant to be, you know what I mean? That the whole thing with the South Monster and that phenomena was already, you know, I mean, people were obsessed with it, you know, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, what is this, what do you say, you know, and it being in the newspapers, I mean, it was kind of, it was a big buzz before my dad ever made a movie about it.
3: He made the right choice, that's for sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely, that's good.
3: Because the longevity... (laughs) Yeah. And just the fact that and it's that a monster movie,
1: just, well, he's he's immortalized The folklore legend, is what he's done. Exactly, it's exactly right. right.
2: So it's well, the it's, original title was Tracking the Falk Monster.
1: <laughs> well.
2: And the the uh, so I don't know if you guys I have a YouTube channel Boggy Creek, and there are there's a little bit of outtakes in there and okay. there's Travis Travis is in there behind the scenes and there's a giant clap uh, you know the clapboard or whatever and it's says cracking the pop monster.
3: Oh, so that was a shooting title yes yeah. Yeah. oh wow,
2: wow. So, I didn't
1: know that and, either
2: uh, and Earl you can see Earl in that also and Earl um, as I said he and my dad wrote <coughs> The uh, original story by story treatment is there is there a credit wow. on said event? Yeah. Okay,
0: there's like that four, four minutes left. To... Thank you guys for thank you definitely thank you Pamela for showing up people. Whenever you get a chance <clears> to do this on the big screen, <laughs> you need to or go to Pamela's <clears throat> website. What's that again?
2: It's www.legendofboggycreek.com. Go there.
0: We'll
3: get you posted, Pamela. We'll get you posted um,
1: on the driving page.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I'll talk to you again, Pam, about the about the getting the.
1: Great, the it's a DGT pleasure meeting you. To
3: the theater, yeah, and um, if you can make it down, like I said, you'll be guest of honor. <laughs> We'd love to I, have you at the I I would love
2: to. I'm going to try to do yeah. this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a a couple other things I've been working on that I'll be hopefully announcing soon. So. But um, all right. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah. I appreciate you guys inviting me over and, um, and on the show, and please do tell all your friends that About Monster is back. And all right, definitely. Than Thank definitely. you.
1: Thank
3: Pleasure. You we're looking much. forward to the screening. Thanks, See Steve.
0: Right. Okay. See you, Pam.
1: Okay. Thank and you I'll
0: be seeing Bye-bye. you guys on Labor Day weekend. And good. I hope when all the listeners get to see my face, they don't instantly
1: get violently ill. Make sure you wear a no. hat. Oh, well. Oh, you're I'm going
2: to hang up, you guys. We're having a wicked thunderstorm okay. here. So. We have one earlier. Oh, I'll see you. Good, good night, Pam.
1: Lock you. your door. Like good night,
3: Steve. <laughs> good night, team. <laughs>
1: yeah, good night. Thank you guys for showing up. Thanks, Steve. It's been lovely long thanks, Steve, always. for bringing on yeah. the
3: great special guest.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it. That was bye. a great show. I, I
3: wish you could laugh
0: us.
1: Yeah, bye. Bye. Good
0: night. Okay, now to wrap things up, uh, Wednesday, me and Nate will be back. It's going to be good directors, bad films. We're going to be talking a little bit more about George Merrill, then a little bit about good directors and the worst films they've ever made. And Saturday, we'll have Marcus Koch, director of Blood, Shock, and Rot, as Gore, Filth, and uh, Fred pretty much talk to him, and I'll be sitting in the background like with this. And next Sunday, who knows what's coming up. Thank you guys again for listening, and don't forget, on the Labor Day, I'll be on the Drive-In Monster Roma live show. And with that, good night, everybody.